Hi, this is Abel Bay from the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. We're going to be covering a lot of things in the coming weeks, specifically Succession and Yellow Jackets. So definitely tune into our feed and check us out for all of your TV needs. For those that don't know, Emmanuel is our resident tactician on Twitter. Please, please, all please. Things, <laughs> all things. If you want to know what Ateta did wrong over the weekend, go and ask Emmanuel. No. <laughs> Hello and welcome. My name is Ibubi and you are listening to Popcorn for Dinner. Today, we're spending time with our friends in the Mandalorian covert and in Grogu's mind as we finally learn what happened to him in Order 66. Lots of different views, lots of interesting critters, and the show making Game of Thrones references for me now, I have Priscilla here to talk about all of that with. So Priscilla, how are you feeling? That episode answered so many different questions that's that I've had. That Order 66 one has been the one that's been plaguing You love me. to see it, yeah. Like, who saves this man? This man. Who saves this creature? <laughs> yeah, we do know who that now. And now we know. And I feel like I can, I can go to sleep now and I can rest. Like, you know when panels are and the sun sets on a grateful universe? that's basically where i'm at that is so pithy and who played and who played the rescuer oh yeah john favreau that's uh that's a nice touch um so for anybody who (laughs) i screamed i I was literally i'm not gonna scream it to the i was like i was like (gasps) yeah um, I was like, no way for anybody who doesn't understand uh for anybody who doesn't understand why she's rejoicing um Grogu, as we find out in this episode, I guess we're just going to get straight into that, was saved during Order 66 by Kelleran Beck, who was actually created for one of the games, but is a canon character. Um, he would be rated quite highly among the Mandalorians, since um, the greatest honor in their culture is to save a child, to save a foundling. And Kelleran is saved, well, is played by Ahmed Best, who actually played Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars Episode 1. Greatest character in the prequels. Um, Jar Jar is a very controversial character because um, lots of Star Wars fans felt he was a weird addition, very annoying, annoying voice, no real role in the story, all kinds of things. And some of them, as Star Wars fans tend to do sometimes, took it too far and weren't just bashing the character, but were also bashing the person playing him, um, Ahmed Best. And he went through a lot of different things. I've actually watched him tell his story a few times. There's a time where he considered, you know, ending his own life. He went through a lot of mental health struggles because of that. And, you know, he's coming back. He's been given sort of a redemption arc, as Priscilla said, um, in this episode, because he is the one playing Keller and Beck, a very important character, as we now know. Um, so it's nice to see him playing multiple roles in the Star Wars universe. He has actually also confirmed that, that um, Keller and Beck is actually related to, I believe his name is Ahmed Beck from, I think, episode two or something along those lines. Um, he also played that character. So his redemption arc has been in the works for a little while. Um, no canonical sources have actually confirmed this relation, but I think it's safe to say. Um, I don't think that person was a Jedi, though. In the game, his um, lightsaber, I believe, was purple as homage to Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson's character, um, who had a purple lightsaber and messed up the system just because he felt that his lightsaber should be purple 
sounds very in character for that man. Because he wanted to see himself man. in the film. Literally. Um, so, uh, because before that, lightsabers tend to say, they had, they had um, a specific color scheme, so to speak. Um, but uh, we see that in this, in this situation, his, um, in this episode, his lightsaber is green. He shows a lot of skill helping Grogu escape, and then he's actually assisted by some loyal Naboo soldiers as they finally are able to escape Coruscant, um, which is the same planet that we saw in episode three, um, which is titled The Converts. This episode is number four, um, chapter 20, which is titled The Foundling. And I think it's cool to see how many different roles Coruscant as a planet plays in Star Wars. Um, so much of the prequels happen in this in, in this planet and you know now we get to see what was what was really going on like on a granular level in the lives of people who are affected by the order and in case anyone doesn't know order 66 was the order palpatine gave um for the jedi to be destroyed to be completely attacked um completely assassinated and wiped out and that started a bunch of issues um, that really defined the series as we as we know it today. I've always wondered how he was able to set the infrastructure in place to actually execute something like Order sixty six on such short notice. I mean, how did anybody see this coming? Um, but yeah, that's um, that that's like a a cool thing that we're seeing now in this episode, and I'm here for it. Welcome, Keller and Beck, and thank you for your service. Speaking of saving foundlings, though, one big part of this episode is another foundling. Who we find out is the Mandra, son, isn't it? yeah, the son of um of Paz Vizsla. I knew that kid was important. This is the same kid that we saw in the first episode of this season, taking the Mandalorian oath, and um he is picked off by a dragon. Okay, somebody needs to somebody somebody needs to come to my rescue here because I'm really working hard to cool it with the Game of Thrones references on this show. Then they do this, but then they do this. <laughs> It was given season four of Game of Thrones. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? Literally. I thought, like, are we in Dawn? I genuinely was confused. I was like, come, what show am I watching? Like, what's happening? Is that a dragon? Like, and then they, they call it a raptor because I guess it's, it's kind of like a cross between dragon and velociraptor or... Some sort of dino. I, it was it, it was so weird. It's like... It was part, something. It, I, yeah. I, oh. Part dragon, part so velociraptor, confused. part um, pteranodon. It's just, it's just weird. But yeah, it was cool to see. But yeah, how'd that make you feel other than confusion? Um, I'll go into the Order 66 bits and I'll go into that bit as well. Okay, go ahead. The only thing I want to add in the Order 66 bit is that I always, I know people sometimes find it boring to always see Order 66, but it's probably one of the most pivotal points in the entirety of the Star Wars universe, like it's the entire pinpoint of the universe. And I think I always find it interesting to see someone else's perspective of the same event that we've seen like maybe six or seven times. Yeah. I think seeing Grogu's view, something I've always been interested in because he was still a kid now, but he's a kid. So how does that, what Palpatine and Anakin and the clones did, how does that impact him? Which was quite interesting to watch. Um, in regards of seeing whatever the Jurassic Park thing that was, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, sure, it was really I actually quite liked it I did like it I mean I liked the idea that um, uh, that Din and Bo-Katan were trying to save the kids um, and I think I liked the sort of I think the, the way they filmed it I think it was Carl Weathers who directed this episode which is amazing by the way 
Oh, because the way I was shook when that when rag was in his mouth, I thought, "Yo, is he dead?" Yeah, is literally, he, dead? Like, he flew was, right into his mouth. Like I was clenching. Everything in me was clenched because I'm like, no, I, you can't kill off a kid like this. <laughs> Not yeah. even that far in. Literally, yeah. this, this is what I'm always talking about. Like, first it's the, you know, turtle croc, right? <laughs> and now this. And I mean, you can't make this stuff up because honestly, first of all, how did these people not have ships that can actually chase like, how did they get to this planet? Like, why is Bo-Katan being there with her ship or Din with his um, Starfighter? Like, why is that the only thing that would give them a chance to get something like this? Because, like, were you really planning on, ch- on using jetpacks the entire way to chase that thing? And also, it always gets away. This has happened before? Like, I was like, wait, has this happened? Like, what? So, like, when he, when he said, many- do- that, that's the thing. Like, I'm, and when they finally got to the thing's little nest, I saw a helmet there. I was like, oh, it's the kid. And there it is. Oh, that's not the kid. That's a dead one. And I'm like, my God. Like, I mean, when he said, don't shoot, that it's going to kill the child. I thought he, like, okay, maybe he just had knowledge of this creature. I didn't think he'd seen him grab someone before. And now, of course, he cares because it's his kid. I mean, I knew that kid was, was important. Um, to be fair, I had a feeling it's it's interesting that uh that that clan Vizsla lives on. I suspected he might be related to Paz, uh, but yeah, he definitely suffered like he got gurgled by that dinosaur thing and then he was carried away again um he, that... beat, he was beat by Grogu <laughs> yeah Grogu did Jedi mind tricks beat him actual Jedi mind tricks exactly actual Jedi mind tricks if bad things keep happening at the edge of this lake, why do they keep doing everything there and not setting up defenses? How like this is we're four episodes into the season. We're at the halfway point now, and they've they've gone through two attacks in this same same place from wildlife. Come on, guys! <laughs> You're supposed you to be the best the warriors. You see why we're the same? Because I'm like you guys are meant to be top oh generals. Like you throw, if we throw them like in like Saving Private Ryan, you know the first five minutes of Saving Private Ryan, we throw them in that situation, they can handle themselves, right? They're about business. How many times are you going to get yourself caught up in this situation? You man are slacking. Slacking. Four episodes in, I've never seen Din under pressure more in my life. Dog, you're meant to be a veteran now. Like you're meant to be like your prime 26, 27 messy era. You know, kind of know what you're doing. You're teaching your kid the, the tricks along the trade. You've got yeah. a time with you now. He's helping you out. You guys meant to know what you're doing. Watching you fight for your life to save this kid from whatever that thing was to this day. It will be 50 years from now. I do not know what I call that raptor. It, I don't know what it is. Yeah. And honestly, it, it, it made me wonder, you know, did um, Paz Vizsla's son, that foundling, did, did he have a point? Is Grogu actually too young to fight? No. Because I, if you're good enough, you're old enough, as uh, they say back in the footy thing, isn't it? Um, Interesting. Because I think with Grogu, the issue with Grogu is that Grogu sort of, no, like he's got, like, don't explain it. He's got the, the hoodspur in him. Mm-hmm. He just needs someone to sort of say to him, like, like what Din was doing to him, like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Like, don't be scared of it. Because I think he's more in fear because he knows. Yeah, he's coming from a place of trauma. with great power. Exactly. Trauma. That poor fig has gone through a lot. See, Anakin going. And all of them clones doing all this nonsense. You've got this black man saving you. Like, a lot. 
it's yeah. a lot for a little kid to go through, isn't it? But also, I think there's also that whole Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And he knows that he's incredibly powerful. He's the most powerful person there. And he doesn't want to use his power for bad. And obviously, he was taught by Luke. And Luke is obviously in his kumbaya, kumbaya <laughs> Jedi phase. <laughs> so he's like, you only use it when necessary. Because at any point when that kid was fighting him, he actually could have, when he was shooting the darts at him, he could have at any point did that. He could have wrecked him if he really wanted to. But he did it. It took Dane having to tell him, like, no, man, like, it's all right, man. Like, like do your thing, do your thing. And then obviously then he did his thing in it. So I think, I don't think he's too young. I think he's actually, I think the Mandalorians are underestimating him, partly because they don't know what he's capable of. Uh-huh. The people who know what he's capable of, like Din and Bo-Katan, trust in him because right. they've seen what he can do, whereas they haven't. Which is understandable. If I've seen this little green thing and you're facing up to red, I'm like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're too small. Whereas Din, obviously, and Bo-Katan has seen him do mad things. He's not the same Grogu that was doing with the electricity, with the electrical wires. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. that first season, he's got his training from Luke. Um, he's obviously grown up and he's done Mando stuff with Din. So he's like, he knows what he's doing now. I mean, he, he got Bo-Katan to save Din and managed to show Bo-Katan where everything was and stuff. So yeah, I just think it's a case of them not knowing how powerful he is because they've not seen it. He's not, obviously now they know because he did backflips in the air. But at that point, they didn't know, it, isn't it? So Yeah, um, he has all these people that kind of, well, these few people that we already know that believe in, that believe in him, right? And... I think that that makes sense, especially now that he also has the um, the armor. The armor will definitely have to be in her bag, like her creative bag, and <laughs> if she's going to make him a solid helmet. Um, but I think it's cool that she gives him a lot of guidance and um, you know, just some lore drops in the episode, kind of t- to teach to teach him. It's it's the whole like you know it takes a village to raise a child type of thing, and she's doing her part. I, I actually really like that character. And the Mandalorians using steel as a metaphor for themselves is really, really apt. I'm very glad they came up with that. I'm, I can't be mad at it. Um, the whole Order 66 thing coming from, you know, like coming back to his mind when he was hearing her like hammer the metal was definitely um, an interesting trigger. Um, it shows how much um, PTSD the child has. And I think that that's something he can overcome. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely going to take time, and I like that they're not being um, shy about showing. Quick with it, yeah, yeah. They're not being they're not being they're not rushing it. They're giving us a chance to see you know his growth in that sense. I do like that the the rondel that she makes has his family sigil on it, the mudhorn. And speaking of which, I think it's um, I think it's nice that Bo-Katan wants to wear the the mythosaur on her on her other shoulder plate now because uh, i mean we saw when that one fell off when the, the original shoulder plate fell off so now she's wearing the night owl and the she mythosaur believes. yeah she, it, it's interesting that she's trying to she, you know she's trying to respect the custom she's asking okay so like when do i eat she's not being a dick about things and she really is the convert that was that was discussed and that's fun to see um i like that she's really integrating and she really is one of them i mean she's you know, she's saving their people. She's investing in, in her community, so to speak. So that's always a nice thing to see. Um, it's I did... be a bad joke of saying this, though. 
What? Right, do you remember in 2020 when the race rights were happening? The race war was happening. Oh boy. And Yenfield was like, we gotta, and white people started saying, we gotta do better. We gotta start putting the work in. We gotta, you know, help you. That's what she's doing right now. Oh my God. <laughs> I need to, I need a moment to process this. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> she said like, I'm not doing no black square. We can't even get into that now, but I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> She's putting the work in. Grassroots. I rate it. Was that your American white girl voice? No, 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 no. I've got a good valley voice. But okay. I'm better, I'll do it. But like, yeah, okay. she was like, she was doing grassroots, you mm. know, black square stuff. She's like, I'm helping you guys. She, yeah, she was That's actually she trying was to doing. be part of the movement. And that made sense. Um, I will say, though, it kind of felt on some level that they were not moving with enough urgency to actually save this kid before he got, you know, potentially chewed like Suya. I really thought that, <laughs> no, I, I was like, okay, well, I guess this is the best they can do. Like when they got to that place and they were like, okay, we'll camp here. I was like, you what? <laughs> you get up there and find bones the next in morning. It's in its mouth. Nah, that was wild. You're like, going to find him scattered. I'm like, I, was, I was actually thinking, I'm like, am I the only person in this situation who's kind of worried that someone is in that thing's mouth? Like, under it, under this, you know, Oliver, let's be quick and, you know, save yeah. this kid. Because I was fair worried. Can I not work? But like, why are we gossiping and chit-chatting? Like, get your jetpacks on I guess and get we need, to work. Yeah. I sound like Kim Kardashian all my days. I wonder if it's like a weird plot device that, you know, we they can't use jetpacks because if it hears any kind of like machinery, if it hears jetpacks or blasters or anything like that, it's going to kill the child. And I'm like, okay, I know you want these people to have an obstacle, but that seems like a very arbitrary thing to write into the episode. Still, it worked. I'm not necessarily mad at it. Um, we don't really have any, I guess, benchmark from which to question it. So I guess I'm just going to be okay with that. Um, still, Ragnar, the kid, he suffered, and I'm glad that he was okay again. Um, Karma clearly is a force in this show because I did not expect a turtle croc to come back into this episode and <laughs> and end that thing. Like, cause the um, of course the the dinosaur falls into the water after after they restrain it, and then you know this dragon gets eaten by the giant alligator, which is not a sentence I thought I'd ever say. Um, but you know, it's a circle of life. This is the way. Another thing um, about following the way, I wonder if it's hard for Grogu to keep up with these people on foot. Like every time he's walking, it's just like, are you scurrying? Like these people are taking their steps and he's just there like with his tiny feet moving. Just, and like, it's interesting because he's been walking a lot more lately. You, everyone knows he's walking and you hit the pee pa pee pa pee pa <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it was, it was actually very funny. But not as funny, though, as what Bo-Katan said at the end, or like, or at least when they got back, because she was like, yeah, you know, we have um, some more foundlings in need of training. And I thought she meant that there were some other kids there that were still alive. That's what I thought she meant, yeah. But no, she brought back dragon dinosaurs, babies that are taller than grown humans. And I was very confused by this. I was like, okay. When, 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 when the dragon died, right, I actually did think about the kids. I was like, okay, I guess those kids are just going to die. They, don't have, they have no more mother. It is what it is. But then these guys are so Mandalorian <laughs> that they brought back the kids. Think of how much work it must have been to get them into the ship. 
Think of how much more work it must have been to prevent them from eating anybody while they were in the ship. And then they brought them back. So it's like, okay, are they going to train them to be their protection on the island? Is that what this place is about to become? Because um, the, 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 the place where this covert is, um, Griswold, I, I, think, I think it's an interesting location. I'm not sure exactly where it is in the system, but it's clearly doing a lot of work for them. Um, I like that at least they, they feel safe somehow, even though genuinely they're not safe. Like, I mean, sure, they're safe from outside attacks, but they have all this wildlife to deal with, which is crazy. I mean, I feel like it might have been better if they dealt with mythosaurs. In any case, um, I was wondering when Bo-Katan would actually tell someone about the mythosaur. I was like, is she hiding it? Is this just like her trying to like decide if she really believes what she saw? Only for her to actually try telling somebody and is told she was having visions. Man, life is hard. Life is hard. Like <laughs> when she said it, I was like, yes, testify. Testify. Hallelujah. I was like, yeah, you, you better you better say. Cause I, I was on your thing. So we was talking about this last week because we kept saying like we didn't know if she was actually gonna say anything. And what was funny was that Noah basically didn't give her any like like she got no thing from her. Uh-huh. She's like, I saw it. And then like I th- I think she was expecting someone to go, no way. Like yeah. da 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 and like, she are you sure? that and you could tell in her head, Are you sure? And you can tell in her head, she was like, Wait, like It's like, No, but I really saw it though. It's like, Yes, it was real. This is the way. And she's like, yeah, Oh my real. god, this is the sis, way. <laughs> help me. Help me! Help me! <laughs> it seems like you can tell she, exactly. You could tell like she was starting to gaslight herself, or whether or not she oh saw it. Oh my god! Not. Yeah, she was actually starting to wonder, like, okay, am I okay here? She's like, am I okay? Like, did the waters really get to me that much? Like, did I see it? Yeah, but I mean, overall, I'd say it was a solid episode. Um, really, really good plot points, excellent use of flashbacks, and good implementation of themes um the whole thing of family community um growth and learning i think that uh, i think those ideas were were really um driven home in this episode in a very good way um we already said the episode was directed by carl weathers which by the way that's a really cool example of how you don't have to be one thing in life i mean not for anyone who doesn't know carl weathers is the man who plays grief Kaga, the high magistrate of navarro um and not only does he do that but he used to be an american football player um so he's had quite an interesting life um very cool and respected guy the episode was written by john favreau and dave filoni um and i think they're doing a really good job with the show i'm interested to see where they take things especially filoni like filoni is essentially the um the mind of of star wars in well i guess in a modern day like he's really the person who's putting all the puzzle pieces together, setting all these different things up in different shows. Um, he clearly loves this like this set of stories and I'm looking forward to seeing um seeing where where, where he takes things. Um yeah, any 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 overall thoughts on the episode? Thought the episode was brilliant. Um I think it'll be interesting to see because what they've done really well is that like they've wrapped up storylines really quickly. Things that you think will take ages. So I'm like, oh. So I'm intrigued to see how the last four episodes play out. Because a part yeah. of me thinks they're building up for a thing between Din and Bo-Katan. That this is a slow build-up. Oh, now you think this? It. I thought you were against this. Nah. No, as in them two versus each other. Not them two oh. versus each other. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, Dave Filoni, I want you to hear me well. No. Okay. Gotcha. But I feel like maybe that maybe they're leading up to it. Cause I'm like, they're do- they're being very kumbaya to me if he goes to school right now. Like you're feeling that like if she's connected, she told Grogu like, oh, like my dad was the same. He's proud of you. Don't worry. Like I feel like I keep thinking there's something going on in the background. This is too happy go lucky. Things are going too well right now. Not overtly. Like not too too well, but a bit too well. Yeah. I'll keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Part of me, I'm like that plot point in Coruscant with my lady, and I Gideon is smelling. I can sense it with the atmosphere. It might not be Gideon though. It it might not actually. It may not be him. Whoever it is, whoever it is, someone's causing to cause Bahala. I don't. I want to know who that person is. Because my girl weren't working on her own. She was doing something for someone. And things are going mm. too well with them. Because obviously we're trying to... Obviously we're watching the, the connection form between Bo-Katan, Din and Grogu. Now they've become a unit. And the other Mandalorians now together. They're like a little family now. Mm-hmm. What are they preparing for? Like who's going to come in and cause havoc? This is what I keep... I, I, said, I came at the end of the episode and I'm like, okay, who's, who's, who's going to come and wreck this? You mean to the covert? Yeah. I feel like they're just training because they tra- because training is what they do. You think they're expecting something? No, not the tra- not the training. But I don't think they're expecting anything. I think there's a reason why they're showing like Grogu learning his skills and honing. Oh, them. okay. Being in Bo-Katan becoming closer and working together, being able to fight together, which makes you think this is leading up to something. In the last few episodes, I don't know what that thing is. I'm intrigued to know what that thing is. Mm-hmm. because it just seems like the way they're positioning the family unit and everything they're gonna fight something what that thing is i don't know and it, don't, it may not be like a massive fight and it ends in that thing it may go into the further another season or whatever but i'm intrigued to know what what it is because i feel like they're setting little things in the episodes yeah like the progress grogu's made over the last four episodes din and Bo-Katan's relationship has obviously blossomed and her relationship with her understanding being a Mandalorian like being a Mandalorian and she's going this is the way she's prophesizing about <laughs> the Mythosaur and stuff so it's like this is leading up to something what that thing is I want to sit they flow down but at the same time I don't want to know because I want to be surprised by it so but no, yeah, I, I really you. really love the episode I think it was brilliant I think I, what I do want is I do want an episode around Din though I do miss him I do I miss mean... him we've had everyone else have their moment but I really miss my mom. I miss my single father. I mean, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of exposition so far on him. I think now the show is trying to focus more on Grogu's growth. I think we'll probably get more din like solo content in the future. Maybe when they talk about like some stuff that happened when he was a child. Maybe when they go back to his home planet, if they ever do that. Um, there could be like there's a whole bunch of different um, um, there's a whole bunch of different ways that could manifest. So. I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much it from us for now. Um, by the way, the the episode we did last week um, for the the Mandalorian and Ted Lasso was actually our 150th episode at Popcorn for Dinner. So thank you to everyone who is listening. Um, this is definitely going to be a fun ride in the next couple of months as we continue to cover more things. Succession's coming up. Um, the first episode is going to be airing on su- Sunday, the 26th of March. 
And um, that episode is going to be coming out pretty much. Well, our review of that episode is going to be coming out pretty much um, right after. So stay tuned for that. But for now, um, we're going to send it over to our guys at AFC Richmond. Tell you what's going on at Ted Lasso. Hello, everyone. My name is Chinedu, and this week I'm talking about Ted Lasso with my very good friend and brother, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, how are you? Doing good, bro. Ready to ready to talk about, you know, the best, one of the best shows on TV, I think. Yeah, definitely one of the best shows on TV. Definitely one of the best shows on Apple TV Plus for sure. Yeah, yeah. Apple is cooking, man. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely cooking. They are definitely cooking. Let's get right into it because our boss said we should keep this <laughs> under, <laughs> under, under 30 minutes. So, um... What do you think of episode two? I thought it was really good. Um, the length shocked me. I think we talked about it because I opened it. I was like, I swear this show used to be 30 yeah. minutes that episode. I saw 50 yeah. minutes. But I felt like it started yeah. a little slow. But I felt like from like the halfway point, I thought it was like really good. But like, it's one of those ones where like the end kind of justified the beginning. Like everything kind of tied together at the end. So yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, for sure. And like personally, I think given that it's the last season as well, they probably want to do the best that they can to send off us, ugh, send us off, <laughs> send us off on like a high. Yeah. Um, or not high emotionally, but yeah, just give us the best contents that they can. Definitely. So, um, from episode two, there were a couple of pointers. The first thing that I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on today was, um, don't we just love the beauty of the Premier League? A whole Richmond, a whole Richmond signing, signing Zlatan. I mean, Zava. <laughs> Budget Zlatan, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, I don't know. It's it's funny because, like, the way they made transfers look is so, like, yeah. weird. But they also, like, put yeah. some of, like, the quirky things, like, what was the guy's source was what at the point his source was like his son's karate teacher or something like that <laughs> and then he was like oh this guy that he knows that can do lip reading which is like is mad but i think they actually like captured like how quickly things can move in like transfers of like oh this guy wants to leave all of a sudden they're like three teams involved it's like how do we convince him all these kinds of things so i found i found that bit fine and i think it was also good they didn't go as deep as like you know, like very, very deep and stuff. But yeah, I thought I thought it was good. Um, you know, we met Zava, which is you know, if you're a football fan, you know that's supposed to be Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> like so like it's clearly Ibrahimovic, but but like <laughs> he talks to the third person, <laughs> everything he does is like even his little like ponytail. But like um I love when the show does that, like when you can be like like, like Roy Kent is one of my favorite characters on the show because, like, deep down, I know, like, this is just Roy Keane on, like, steroids or something. Like, just, <laughs> just like a cartoon version of him. So, like, I'm interested yeah. to see what they do with Zava and, like, how he mixes it up with the team. What do you think? Yeah, good point, actually. Nah, I, it was, it was hilarious. I knew that was definitely Zlatan. Six for six <laughs> talks in the third person, like you said, um, leaves chaos and trophies wherever he goes. So, yeah, definitely Zlatan. What do you think Zlatan is going to bring to Richmond this season? I mean, Jamie's already 
seeming like he's under threat. Yeah, he was looking insecure, which is which is funny. <laughs> like, but again, like that that's realistic. Like, um, if you're a striker and your team brings in a better striker, like with more pedigree yeah. and stuff, you you will feel yeah. some type of way. You'll be like, okay, am I going to yeah. play less? All these types of things. And but at the same time, you still understand that, like, oh, we're getting a great player, so we don't get relegated. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see like how he mixes with the group. Um, because I actually expect that like we'll have like really good scenes between him and Jamie because like, you know, in season one, Jamie was like basically what Zava is now, kind of, to like the rest of the team. Like he felt he was bigger than them, all these types of things. He had to work to end their trust to like trust them as well. So I guess it's going to be like that kind of like um, I guess in writers like holding a mirror up to Jamie of like this is who he used to be like for him to realize how much of a dick he was probably and then that's a good point hopefully, actually like um, hopefully like you know get to the point where he can grow and be like okay I was actually a dick and then um, I don't know what happens with Zava that kind of character feels like he won't stay around too long but we'll see what happens now that's a good point actually because I remember in the last episode I um, I mentioned to Ibuka that um I think this season Jamie would have more of a voice as a leader. Mm. Definitely. Like he seems like he's giving me the vibe of like everyone in the dressing room is going to listen to him. Mm. Um so yeah, like what you've mentioned is definitely I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for that, like just to see that chemistry, um, to see what like what Jamie takes out of like his transfer into into the dressing room. Um, where do you think Zava is going to push Richmond to? Champions League? Are we talking Champions League? <laughs> I don't Are think... Are talking Europa like, League? So this is the thing. I know it's a very feel-good show, but like, you know, I think they also try not to be too overboard of like, oh, because Ted is the main character, they won't start fighting for Premier League all of a sudden or something like that. Mm-hmm. I actually think... the me- I think like this whole season will probably just be about them. Like, I don't know. I would have said it's about them avoiding relegation. But then I feel like there has to be like some sort of like showdown with West Ham or something, the way they've set it up. But I don't know if they'll put it like West Ham is also trying to get relegated or something like that. But I don't know. I feel like we're heading towards something with West Ham, definitely. Maybe FA Cup final or something like that. And then for Richmond. That's a good shout. And then for Richmond is like surviving um, relegation, that kind of thing. Um and, you know, and I guess, like, at the end, it's like, you know, Ted Lasso shouldn't be a joke anymore, even though I guess he'll always be. Um, but, yeah, no, like, from this episode, I started seeing, like, things that they were putting up, like, you know, the Jamie and Zava thing of, like, you know, like, see what you used to be kind of thing. And yeah. even from the last episode, I feel like they're trying to talk about imposter syndrome as well. Like, but we didn't really follow on that this episode, but, like, with Nate, is like, okay, he's feeling like an imposter, even though he's probably more qualified than like Ted. But Ted is happily an imposter, like he owns it. But like Nate is very insecure by it. So I feel like they're trying to like talk through things like that. Um, and, you know, even when you think about it, like Zava himself is actually like, he's kind of insecure as well, which is what, you know, when we get to the scene with him and um, what's her name? Um, Rebecca. Rebecca, yeah. Um, where she, I've never heard the term sour yet. Piss, by the way, honestly, long piss, by the way, bro, bro. <laughs> she kept ranting. This this bro. guy kept pouring, man. I was like, what is going on, bro? I even thought she was going to say something <laughs> about it. I will lie, like I was expecting her to say something about it, but he did it. She didn't, and I was just like, whoa, that's mad. Like, oh, the man. guy just kept going and going and going. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it was like, 
It's like at one point, at one point, I was like, "Is this guy like?" It was the fact that the sound effect is still there. If not, I'd have been like, "Okay, maybe this guy is just pretending that he doesn't want to like zip up in front of her or something." <laughs> no, nah, it was crazy, man. I was like, "Is he not going to take us uh, like uh, a pause anytime soon?" <laughs> How many liters is this guy drinking? Bro, how is he holding it? What is he cooking down there? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, for following up from that scene, that's actually um that's actually that's actually hilarious. Following up from that scene, um I remember Rebecca saying basically like if you are as good as you say you are, mm-hmm. like come to Richmond. Well, she did say come to Richmond, did she? But basically, like... Yeah, go to a team. Yeah. That you can yeah. lift up kind of thing. On a more personal level, the, what that what that told me is, yeah. Kylian Mbappe, <laughs> if you're as good as you say you are, yeah, come yeah. to Arsenal and prove, prove yourself. Oh, come, come and prove yourself. <laughs> but you know, you know what's funny now? It's like, shall, but like, it's Champions League, isn't it? Come, I was going to say come to Arsenal and help them win Champions League, but Mbappe hasn't won it. So... So if it exactly. goes, we'll be at the same boat kind of thing. Exactly. But yeah, so, what you should really do is get... Mbappe. What you should really do is get Nigerian passports. That, that's when we respect <laughs> it. Deliver a World Cup for us and then we'll know that you're cooking. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, um, I know you touched on imposter syndrome actually. Um, so what did you think of like Keely and um, like, what do you think her role will be this season? And... I mean, I guess to an extension, what do you think? What do you think of Roy so far? Um, I know they talked about a lot of that, like yeah. about their breakup. Yeah, I think um, Keely is interesting because it's like I don't know. It's one of these things of a lot of us probably face that in life of like when you're trying to transition from one stage of your life to another. It's always weird, and you know, you you end up being like two different people. Um, so she's yeah. trying to kind of bridge the gap in her personal life and in her work life kind of thing. And I think I could relate a lot because like, yeah. you know, whenever I've started a new job, it's like, I wish I could just skip to the part where like we could joke and we could laugh and stuff. But like, it's awkward for the first part because you're like, I don't know what this guy finds offensive. I don't know what he's into. I don't know what he likes, you know, but yeah. I think gradually, I think like, for example, she connected with Barbara on her like snow globe connection. Which kind of showed that like Barbara gets fired a lot, basically, because she's like everywhere she goes, she gets a snow globe. So yeah, so you know, those types of things. But again, that's insecurity as well, because she just feels like, look, there's no need to open up. I'm going to get fired anyway and start going to another job as well. So it's like yeah. I think with her, like her storylines are always very like emotional. Yeah. You know, you know, connecting with people, making people f- feel better about themselves, those types of things. But yeah, yeah. The breakup has been, you know, it's it's a weird one. It feels almost like one of those things where it's like we need drama, so let them break up. Like I don't, I don't feel like even the show believes in the reason of them breaking up properly. That's interesting. But yeah, because like even um, Roy's niece said it of like, okay, why are you really breaking up? It's like you know, yeah. It just feels like the show wanted a bit of drama, which to. I, I say it's a bit of drama, but sometimes that happens in real life as well. Like people feel yeah. like they're going in different directions, and you know. yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like sometimes some people just feel like yeah, it's not. You don't have to go down like a dark, not a dark. That's a bit dramatic, but you don't have to go down like a 
uh, a lot, like a, just a painful road before you realize that like, yeah, this is not working out. Yeah. So I guess maybe in a sense, like they just wanted to make sure they don't have to go through all that like long pee of having to like argue mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I guess the earlier, like you call it quits, the better. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you think that like, um, you know, even the writers themselves, they don't, um, they don't, what's it called? They don't believe in the breakup because, um, I see like the breakup being Roy's way of like maybe just opening himself to different things because I'm sure you remember the scene where he was talking about like coming back to Chelsea Mm. and just realizing that like, um, when he came back, maybe he shouldn't have left. So like he was scared yeah, of you yeah, know, his yeah. body could giving way. So maybe he should have just enjoyed it. So like, and now maybe that might be his own way of also reflecting on like his decisions, not just in yeah. like, football, but also his personal life. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel, I feel like yeah, that was definitely the thing because Ted had that line of like sport is a great metaphor kind of thing. So I yeah. think like he was definitely kind of talking about like Keely and stuff there. Which, yeah. which I found quite interesting as well. Cause that's something my dad always says of like, he tries to use like football and stuff for like a metaphor and everything of like, yeah. you know, you can learn a lot of life lessons from football and things. Um, but yeah, like I said, he, yeah, it's probably something where he just never allowed himself to enjoy things. And yeah, to be honest, it's probably something that a lot of footballers go through because everything is the next, the next, the next. And another thing that the episode touched on is like the role of the media in that. Of like, I mean, look at the newspaper thing he kept from like Trent of like, you know, being a 17 year old and, you know, a reporter basically saying you're crap, you know, and it's like that stayed with him for so long. Like he had it in his wallet, you know, and I guess it's, it's a function of like, you know, um, just how things happen of like, you know, people will tear you down, but they don't even realize how much it's torn you down. And like, we got to hear from Trent as well, who was like, oh, he was just trying to make a name for himself. And it's like, you've tried to do that, but like, you've kind of mentally scarred a person. So yeah, I thought, I thought it was important to touch on that as well. Yeah, good point, actually. And to be fair, I don't want us to move past actually delving into the episode, like really talking about imposter syndrome as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like keeping that cut out of the newspaper, I'm sure Roy must have been very traumatized by yeah like you said he was 17 you know very traumatized by this journalist like tearing into him and he must have thought like after like a shambolic debut like am i really good enough for the premier league and like am i worth it like you know is this is this career going to be worth it you know um even like the journalist himself like he was probably thinking am i good enough to be a journalist Mm -hmm. what's the best way to prove myself like let me be sensational so i think like the episode did a very good job of highlighting imposter syndrome. And to be honest, like I've kind of used Ted Lasso as my post-work therapy. Like literally <laughs> once it's 5.30, I just open my laptop and just like, you know, stream and just feel better about the shambolic nine to five decisions <laughs> I've taken. <laughs> but yeah, what, what do you think about how the show is handling imposter syndrome well so far and in the first two episodes of the season? Yeah, I think to be honest, like the whole show has kind of been about imposter syndrome. Like, yeah, like when you think about it, and I feel like we've just gotten to see different ways of approaching imposter syndrome. Like, yeah, Rebecca felt like an imposter owning her ex husband's club because she didn't know much about football. Ted felt like an imposter because he didn't know anything about football, you know. Um, Nate felt like an imposter 
you know, even when like he was on uh, Richmond and everyone was saying, oh, he knows the tactics and stuff. It felt like an imposter. But then it got, yeah. then, you know, you start seeing the different ways, like him, it got into his head and stuff. But then now he feels like he's gone too far when you see him in West yeah. Ham. It feels like, oh, yeah. it's too much of a thing. But like, I guess Ted is supposed to be like the, the shining light of how to do it. Of like, look, just own up to it. Like nobody knows everything, but like, you know, everybody's, I think that's a great thing in the show as well. Like everybody's perspective matters of like, even someone that knows nothing about football, his perspective of football matters because he was able to kind of bring them together as a team. Um, he was able to also be like humble enough to like lean on a kit man, like someone that was proud, for example. And if you're, if you, most people that have imposter syndrome, you won't even want to ask for help because you'd be thinking, yeah, exactly. bro, this kid man is going to think I'm crap, you know, like, yeah. yo. But, you know, Ted was very open. It was like, look, whatever happens, happens. Obviously, Ted is like a caricature character of like everything is happy to him. But, but like, you know, um, it's just, it's, I think the whole show has just kind of dealt with that of like, you know, when you feel like you're not qualified, how do you respond to it kind of thing? And even, I think even on the opposite side of like, oh, if you feel like you're more qualified, how do you respond to it? Like Coach Beard, for example, knows a lot about football, but he's not going there to say, you know what, you guys should sack Ted and put me in charge. No, he's never said that. Yeah. But then the moment yeah. Nate's got up to that level, is like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. You guys are rubbish. You guys are clowns, whatever. So I think the show has really been like really good at like kind of teaching those lessons like underneath. Um, yeah. 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 I think it's doing important work. It's been fantastic to let us know that, like, like you said, Ted leaned on Nate. Mm-hmm. Keely has not been afraid to talk, like, to lean on someone. So, like, definitely, like, you always need to be able to understand that it's not only, like, everyone feels this way. Mm-hmm. And being able to lean on someone is definitely one of the best ways that you can overcome it, like asking questions. Like Ted is always asking questions, no matter how stupid. And you know, even in this episode, like he literally said football when he first yeah. came, he was just calling this soccer, soccer, soccer. But now he was like, I just called it football, like <laughs> even without knowing. So <laughs> to be fair, yeah. he, said, he said that was because he was reading the book. Shout out to that book, by the way, Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson but um yeah no nah, um i'm i'm loving the season so far i think the characters I, I feel like there's been a great setup so far like of what we had to expect i like that you brought up you know a, a showdown with west ham yeah. that would be ex- that would be an exciting episode definitely what even if one of them goes to wembley it doesn't even have to be richmond even if west ham yeah. goes to wembley i think that would be interesting to see um, just seeing how Rupert and Nate, you know, guide that, you know, as not villains because we, we won't call them villains, yeah. but how they handle their own side of affairs over in East London. So, yeah, that's that's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, I think Rupert is interesting because I don't know, like the show doesn't like, I feel like there's something that they're going to reveal because I just feel like at the moment, like there's no redeeming quality about him. It's just that, oh, this guy's an asswipe. He has a charm. He has a charm. Yeah, fair, fair. But yeah, she said she, he has a charm and he's persistent pretty much. Like he makes that people That story feel was special. definitely flirting versus harassment. By the way. <laughs> Bro, he was coming every day to buy drinks. If the guy wasn't rich or good looking, he'd be in the cell. He'd be in the damn cell. Under the jail. Man would be in the cell. 
<laughs> oh my god but nah you, you were saying <laughs> and to be honest on um, what's it called Anthony Head that plays Rupert is like I don't know I know him from being Merlin's and uh, not Merlin Arthur's dad in Merlin and he was a prick as yeah, well yeah 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 so it's like to see <laughs> yeah. to see him to almost like 20 no almost 20 years later he has still been a prick yeah definitely 20 years later see, he loved to he loved to see it it was standing consistent man <laughs> <laughs> But I think um, Ibuka highlighted in last episode like how we're going to see more of Rupert this season, and we're definitely going to see more of him. Um, it was, um, it was. I, I wouldn't say it was cute, but like just listening to Rebecca talk about how she met him. Yeah, yeah, and just speaking about him in another light mm. that we haven't seen in the season, and. I mean, I guess maybe something we'd see is how that charm comes into play, like yeah. this season, or maybe just the lack of it. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> yeah. I think Rupert is going to be an interesting one this season. What did you think of like that Chelsea press conference? <laughs> can you can you imagine that happening? You know what's you know what's funny? I I didn't like I I feel like I didn't expect Zava to sign for Richmond. I think, like, when the press conference started, I thought he was going to announce Chelsea. But then when Rebecca left, I was like, oh, man, he's going to Richmond. But something like that definitely, definitely can happen in real life. I feel feel like something crazy like that can happen in real life. Thing just made me think of Mikel, man. (laughs) Bro, bro, bro. When we were so sure he was going to United, next thing we saw him with the with the Chelsea took, jersey. Man took picture with uh, what do you call it? With with United shirts with Fergie and stuff. But... <laughs> Bro, you know he said. I don't know if you listened to like his press yeah, conference after. To he it. said like Fergie Fergie blanked him at every occasion. Yeah, well, you know Fergie's <laughs> a proud man now. I'm sure Rupert still moves <laughs> like that. <laughs> Stop blanking this guy. But now. I, uh, I don't see what they, what they do. Sure. I wonder, like, I obviously, like I said, they're f- they're doing the Jamie and um, Zaba thing. So I wonder, like, if okay, it's like, oh, they're going to play our strikers together, or it's going to be something where like Jamie has to be humble and play like I don't know left wing or something like a different position and feel like, yeah, bro, I'm going to be tracking back for this guy that does nothing, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm 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 interested in the possibilities. Is it that he disrupts them too much, and then Ted drops him, and it's like, oh, you've literally dropped your most expensive signing, all these types of things. So, yeah. so I'm interested yeah. to see what they do with those things as well. Um, but also, like on an emotional level, like yeah, I still feel like I want to see what um what they do with Jamie. I wouldn't like it if like they get I don't know, like if Jamie and Keely get back together, I wouldn't like it because it would just feel like. I don't know. Yeah, you know, the ship has the sh- well, the ship has sailed. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. I feel like they should grow. Um that's why like when he was reacting like that, when um what's it called? Isaac was reading the body language that they broke up and stuff, I was like, please let's not be that he's going to try and ask her out again. They, like please. That was a hilarious scene. All I could just <laughs> think of was when they drop all those pictures and they say cock shame. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, like like yeah. Oh man. but um this guy, this guy, what's it called? I just remembered um, Trent Krim. Yeah, Trent Krim. So, I mean, Trent's covering Richmond this season. Surely they have to achieve something, no? When has a team ever been covered for the whole season and they don't achieve something? <laughs> That's not all or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> 
nah, look, we were close. We were close. Fair we're enough, close. Fair enough. It's not for some <laughs> extenuating circumstances. To be fair, like, I don't know. Watch us now or nothing. It's good. It's good TV. Like, even if you're not. Oh, yeah, definitely. If, if, if you love Ted Lasso, I think Amazon's All or Nothing documentaries are also, like, a great insight into, like, real life football and like what it is like behind the scenes i know obviously ted lasso well it does a parody of like football but if you if you're interested in seeing what like football clubs have how they operate behind the scenes like i think you should definitely check them out if you haven't but yeah um back to Trent cream covering them for the season mm-hmm. wembley champions league I, i'm very adamant richmond are uh, I don't know. achieving I, something this season i feel uh, i Maybe I'm just a fan. Maybe yeah, I'm just I, feel, a fan. I think I think you're a fan. But also, I feel like I feel like Trent covering them is more about. I feel like it's going to be one of these things of like a story kind of thing. I think okay. it's also like I think it's also like a money thing for the show. Like they could actually publish the book and people will buy it, kind of thing. But idea. But like um, but like what do you call it? I think it's just going to be like oh that this is what you know having a coach that didn't know about football this is what he has built kind of thing i think like it's yeah. going to be more around that i don't think it's going to be like you they came up from championship and they just won premier league like that i feel like i feel like even like brendan hunt that pe- plays beard i feel like it's too much of a football fan to allow them to do something unrealistic like that but um but yeah i don't know i feel i feel like that fa cup i feel like that's the best thing i think something like that will happen of like, okay, they'll have a cup run, maybe they'll survive relegation, and then you know they'll keep they'll keep going. But but yeah, I'm interested. I think also like they've brought him in to write these books just so we can get to know him a bit more. Like not just like press conferences and um yeah the cool <laughs> the the cool guy vibe he likes to do all these things yeah. like that. But um but yeah, let's, let's I'm I'm interested to see where things go with him. To be fair, I feel like him and Roy will end up being friends because they probably have a lot more in common than they realize. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, they they said it themselves. Like we both, you know, we both um, thought we were like terrible at our jobs. Mm-hmm. So and here we are. So yeah, no, nah, good show, good show. No gonna blog. <laughs> no gonna blog this episode. <laughs> now, unfortunately, no. Maybe hopefully we see more of him. And um, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, any last thoughts before? Um, no. no, did you see on Twitter that they actually posted um Richmond's fixtures? Like, did they, they? They tweeted it of like, I think next they've got Wolves, but then there's the thing there where they marked it in the calendar. West Ham is like three games away or something. Oh no, nah, they're doing they're doing a fantastic job. So then. like, I need to check that out. So like, West Ham at home kind of thing. But yeah, they've I been to check that they've out. been tweeting things. You know the. I think I even sent it to you. Like you know the Premier League thing where they would tweet like guess the team based on like nationality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, yeah they I did saw the that. Richmond one as well. So I no, I, li- I like little like promotional things like that that kind of keep it. Yeah, happy. even Jamie was playing. I don't know. Oh, I don't know the real life actor's name, but he was playing. FIFA uh, with Rich Phil with Dunster. Richmond, yeah, he was using he was using Richmond and playing Dortmund with Jude Bellingham. So yeah, yeah, now they've been doing a great like great work with promotion. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. It's just honestly like if you don't watch this show and you're somehow listening to this, like give it a watch. Like I only started watching at some point last year. Like I used to hear about it, but it was just like I don't know. Apple TV at that time just felt like an extra service to to be getting it was just like 
Wow, didn't I recommend it to you? See, th- no, no, see, no, man. No, no. Bo, but like, no, that man. time I was like, it was an extra service. I was like, ah, do I have the energy to be to be subscribing to Apple? But then I think I bought like yeah. um, AirPods or, so, or my iPad or something, and then it came with like one year free of Apple TV. I was like, okay, we can cook. First, 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 first. <laughs> we can cook, and I binged it. I, I thought he was about to sideline me now, you know. Okay, I beg. But. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> If you can't see, oh, I'm doing the Kevin Hart meme. No, but thank you for showing up today, Ima. Um, and thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode so far. Um, I mean, like Ima said, if if you haven't... Um, I mean, I would like to think that if you've gotten so far into this episode, surely you'd be interested in watching Ted Lasso. So, but um, no, it's, it's definitely a good one. Um and um, thank you, Ima, for coming on. I appreciate Ima it. Ima is going to be more of a regular guest this season. I know, I'm sure you'd have loved, you know, listening to his insights. Brilliant <laughs> guy. Brilliant tactician. Um, so, yeah, expect more of him. And thank you so much. We've recently put out episodes on Succession. We know Succession is coming to an end, unfortunately. So there's a there's an episode where we've done um, just previewing like what to expect in season four. We've been doing episodes on The Mandalorian as well. Check check out our episodes if you watch that. Um, and yeah, we did an episode on Rain Dogs, Cocaine Bear as well. So yeah, want to thank you again for listening to us. Make sure you rate our episodes review our episodes if you love it send to your friends and share with your family um again really appreciate your love cheers guys thank you and that is a wrap